Welcome to Lessons in Leadership. Steve Adubato, Mary Gamba. You're checking us out on News 12 and a whole range of other, News 12 Plus and a whole range of other outlets. Uh, hey, Mary, let's kick off the show right away with our good friend, Dr. Dan Varga, Chief Physician Executive, Hackensack Meridian Health. Mary, did we or did we not just ask Dr. Dr. Varga to change his background before we started? We sure did. So for all the viewers out there, every time we have a meeting, a Zoom meeting, and we have a lot of them with Dr. Varga, his backgrounds are just outstanding. And when he first joined us today, it was a plain white background. So we said you need to spice it up a notch. So uh, Dr. Varga, what are we seeing behind you right now? So today we have Keeneland Racecourse. Uh, the, uh, the race meet will start there in October. Right now they're selling uh, very expensive yearlings right now if you want to go buy one. A lot of fun, I have to tell you this. <laughs> what do you mean, like a like couple hundred bucks or what? Uh, well, let's see, I think they've got uh, over 20 that have sold over a million. Uh, now, when you get farther down into sales, when you get out to like book five, uh, you know, you can get them in a, at a reasonable price, but right now it's for high rollers, man. Right now it's for high rollers. First four I, days. I, I, ahead, I was Mary. just going to say, I don't think my backyard is big enough for a horse. <laughs> That's no, no. why we're not doing it. <laughs> By the way, Dan Varga knows about horses, but he also knows about physician leadership. Let's disclose right out of the box that Mary and I, together with our team at Stand and Deliver, in cooperation with Hackensack Meridian Health for four years now, we've been uh, leading what is called the Hackensack Meridian Health Physician Leadership Academy. Um, the blessing of that came originally from um, Bob Garrett, the CEO, Jim Blazer, who heads up all strategic initiatives. And now Dr. Varga is so involved. Um, real quick, Dan, A, why do we have a Physician Leadership Academy? B, why is physician leadership so important now more than ever? Well, I mean, the, I'll, fl I'll flip your question. I mean, right now, physician leadership is really critical because as you look at the healthcare industry as a whole, uh, there's some really big pressures. There's, there's a lot of pressure for more transparency around uh, clinical performance. Uh, we all know that folks are under reimbursement pressure. Uh, we all know that there's a nursing shortage. We all know there's a physician workforce shortage. And if we're going to keep delivering safe, reliable, high quality care, clinicians have to be at the table uh, as we design the processes of care, as we make our capital decisions, as we make our strategic plans. And for doctors to be most effective there, they actually have to come in with a lot of the leadership skills that, that you guys and we are actually helping them develop inside the academy. I mean, trust me, they don't teach you communications 101 or how to be interviewed uh, in a media spot uh, in medical school. Uh, you know, most of us don't learn how to read, you know, a PL statement or a balance sheet. And so a lot of the issues that, uh, that we take on in the, in the PLA, the Physician Leadership Academy, uh, really make uh, the physician sitting at the leadership table a more effective leader. For you, Dan, before Mary jumps in, jumps in, I'm curious about this. You came to HMH right about the time that the pandemic was becoming real. How, to what degree, and in what ways do you believe you have evolved and changed as a leader as we do this program, 18, 19 months, it'll be seen after that, that we're in the fall of 2021. How has it changed you as a leader? You know, a, a couple ways, Steve. I said, I said before um, in one of our last uh, lessons in leadership is that anytime you have one of these crises, uh, and you and I talked a little bit about my experience with 2014 Ebola in Dallas, obviously, you know, everybody nationwide is experiencing COVID, is that, that you learn that 
one quintessential element is it's always a frontline caregiver crisis. I think one of the things I've learned being here is that, that that's, that's applicable, whether you're in Texas, Kentucky, New Jersey, New York, California, it doesn't matter. Uh, the people in healthcare who bear the brunt and actually get stuff done uh, in these situations are the folks at the interface of care. Uh, we folks in the background uh, do all we can to support them. And Bob Garrett says this, I've said this before too, there's only two job descriptions in healthcare, people who take care of patients and people who support people who take care of patients. That those are the job descriptions. And you particularly find that when you're in the middle of a crisis. I think the other thing that, that we've learned is that 2014, you know, when, when, when we had Ebola in Dallas, isn't that long ago, but the explosion in media platforms between 2014 and 2021 has made this a much more difficult leadership exercise because we're continuously managing, you know, the Twitterverse and we're managing uh, people getting angry on Facebook. There's a million different podcasts to listen to. I mean, that, that wasn't an issue we dealt with in 2014. And I think that's made leadership more difficult because you have to sift through it all to get a coherent leadership message out there. And by the way, real quick, as you jump in, Mary, I was looking for an article I had here on how physicians are, be, I'm using it for the Physician Leadership Academy next seminar, how one of the challenges is getting accurate, relevant, helpful information out when things are changing all around us. So real quick, Dan, um, how do we deal with so much uncertainty and simply saying we don't know when people are looking to physician leaders to say, here's the answer. And so I will tell you this, Steve, I think it's one of the things that you guys are doing in the PLA that's, that's most valuable. Doctors tend to be great uh, collectors of data and great interpreters of data. The, the most important thing that I have found physician leaders can do right now is sift through all of that and get it down to three or four cogent message points. That's a skill you have to learn, right? That's, you, are, you are teaching our doctors right now how to get to message points that they can reinforce and stay consistent with. And I think that's one thing that a doctor can do, particularly when you're talking about clinical information or healthcare-related information better than anybody else can do. You, you, can, you can see it, you can integrate it, and if you know how to sift it and get it down to three or four coherent message points, you can be a really valuable asset in helping people kind of navigate through lots of uh, discordant messages. Now more than ever. Go ahead, Mary. Yeah, Dr. Varga, let's uh, switch gears just a little bit. Another thing we really are talking about in the Physician Leadership Academy is physician wellness, taking care of yourself, that work-life balance. And now as we're recording this, it's September, we're in another wave of COVID. It doesn't look like, you know, it's going to get any better anytime soon with flu season coming up. Talk about what you were doing to support the physicians um, with that work-life balance. Well, well, first of all, we're being very intentional about it. Uh, the, this isn't something that you just kind of wing. Uh, the, we have had, um, since I've been here, in fact, I think uh, my colleague, Dr. Amy Freeman, had come on board as our chief wellness officer about a month before I started as the chief physician executive here. Uh, and Amy and I have been working very closely with each other uh, at, at a lot of levels of leadership. She's actually right now helping us redesign our overall physician leadership structure uh, for the organization, but relative to wellness, 
Um, you know, Amy's put in, in place since the very first wave, uh, way back in 2020, the type of employee assistance, physician uh, assistance uh, programs that, that can be as simple as focus groups, support groups where folks can just get together virtually or in person and talk about how they're feeling, how things are working. Uh, we've instituted with some of our behavioral health colleagues, uh, physician, you know, things like meditation and biofeedback and things that actually help folks manage the physiologic response to stress. Uh, and as we've, as we've moved through this, I think one of the biggest challenges we've had is, um, is tr not just trying to help people, you know, emote and be, you know, comfortable talking about the stresses they're feeling, but actually helping them really retain, because all healthcare workers are resi resilient, but helping them retain their resilience. To a large extent, a lot of our people are people where the rubber band has been stretched so long, it doesn't bounce back very easily anymore. And the, there, there's a lot of things we need to do. We're trying as much as we can to get people respites, get people you know, out, of, out of the line of fire, but it's tough. It's tough right now, but you know, we're very aware of it and we are you know, working hard to make sure that those frontline folks have all the support they need. But a quick follow up on that, Dr. Amy Freeman, uh, when it comes to wellness, she's actually, and, and Dr. Varganosis, she's actually going to be doing a, a, a mini seminar within the Physician Leadership Academy, talking specifically, precisely about wellness and physician leadership and engaging those physicians. So the amount of stress that physicians and nurses and other frontline health healthcare workers, as much as we think, like we're running a, an organization, we think, oh my God, there's so much stress. Just try to imagine what it might be like to be in an operating room, an emergency department, and then having to run a department, a vision, a division, running a meeting. Stress off the charts, so wellness matters. Uh, real quick, before I let you go, Dan, other than being fascinated by ponies, you're, and this is helpful, we're asking a lot of people this, what is one tangible, meaningful way that you, we talked about Bob Garrett before the CEO, but I also know he works out every morning. That's a part of wellness. What is it for you? Uh, a couple things. Um, I, uh, I meditate every day. Uh, uh, and, you know, both, you know, for the, the physiologic, you know, uh, effect and for the mindfulness that that, that, that brings. Uh, and uh, I, have a, I have a regular prayer life that is really valuable to me and really helpful. And I gotta tell you, I, I was a competitive runner when I was a young, young man, and I would love to still be a runner. I, I can't do it, the joints don't, don't hold up to it as well, but I am a, I am a walker. And uh, you know, I always look at it this way, I could be sitting in front of the TV with a bag of potato chips, or I could be taking a walk through the neighborhood and decompressing and burning a few calories, but more than anything, just kind of being calm. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's what I do. And, and, I, and I will admit, uh, Kentucky has something other than ponies and that's bourbon. And, you know, <laughs> one of those now and then is always a nice thing. Always a nice thing. Yeah, well, there's Kentucky walking and then there's walking in Westfield, New Jersey, which is what Mary Gamba does every, every night. Every single day. If I don't do it, my dog looks at me and I look at her and we're sad unless it's raining. But uh, come snow, rain, she won't go out. But uh, I need that time. And I agree with you. I just take everything in. I look at the trees. I listen to the sounds and just, uh, you know, be one with nature for a little while. You need to have something as an outlet.
But I actually beautiful. do. I actually do like a little bit of rain sometimes. Yeah, that, just that, a that actually bit, is yeah. a really a really peaceful walk, right? Yeah. A little bit of rain. Just put your ball cap on and a slicker mm-hmm. and get out if there. I gotta tell you something, out. Dan, Mary. I appreciate all that, but I have one word for you. And and where I'm doing my thing that helps me, it never rains. And that's being on my Peloton bike in our basement. <laughs> it never rains. It's amazing. There you go. <laughs> Hey, Dan, thank you. We'll see you in the Physician Leadership Academy at HMH. A great team. Mary, I'll be back after this. Dan, all the best to you and um, all the horses around you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much, guys. Have a good day. Take care. We'll be right back after this. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Kessler Foundation, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine. Valley's all about making life easier for clients, and that's why we're all about smiles, too. So every day, we make it possible for home buyers to become homeowners. For folks chasing their dreams to become entrepreneurs. For parents to plan today for their children's tomorrow. And for communities to get better every day. You see, when we know we've put a smile on a customer's face, well, that puts one on ours, too. Lessons in Leadership is honored to be joined by two very strong leaders who are partners in so many ways. Uh, Our good friend Vaughn McCoy and his uh, partner, his wife, Dr. Marnie McCoy. They are, in fact, co-founders of the McCoy Group. Good to see both of you. Great to be here, Steve. Thanks for having us. Uh, And by the way, you know what, Vaughn, we've known each other a long time. I want to get this out of the way right away. Leadership is about all kinds of different things. It's also about how we communicate with each other. Is it not a fact um, that Dr. McCoy, right before we get on, got on, just said something to you about your posture? Yes, she did. Absolutely. She told me to sit up. <laughs> Who was the leader of your home? <laughs> Steve, we need to end I'm just up. asking. Listen, listen. She is. <sighs> she is. My, I know the CEO of my house is, and Mary is the CEO of her house. <laughs> she says they're co-CEOs, her and her husband. I don't buy it. Uh, we are. I'm telling you right now as we're taping, I hear footsteps. I'm taping my basement, my husband's home to take my younger son to a doctor's appointment. So, uh, you know, I said, get it done. Okay. Everyone's got their own situation. Dr. Yep. McCoy, let me ask you, would you describe the McCoy Group for everybody? Sure. So the McCoy Group is a venture we started a few years ago, and it's really a, a community of accountability and support. It's an opportunity with those who are seeking to grow professionally to have some folks to come along with them for the ride, to support each other, to encourage each other, to feed one another. One person once described it as church for professionals. 
I like that. I like that. And by the way, your background and your expertise in education, please share it with everyone before I ask uh, Vaughn to share a little bit about himself. Sure. I am an educator. I've been an educator my entire life, starting as a teacher at the Pingree School. And I've had the privilege of serving in all different types of school settings. So traditional private school, charter school, traditional public school. And I currently serve as a lecturer at Kane University and as a professor at Seton Hall University for educational leadership in both places. I'm sorry, did you say Seton Hall University? I did. So hold on one second. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> hold on one second. Now, you know Seton Hall University and the Bucino Leadership Institute sponsors of ours. I'm a big Seton Hall basketball fan. Just got my season tickets, right? You're at Seton Hall? But Vaughn has a different connection. Listen, I'm a graduate of Rutgers. Did my doctoral graduate work there? Hey, Vaughn. Yes, tell sir. Tell me what your Rutgers connection is. Well, my Rutgers connection, obviously, undergraduate and law school. Uh, she got her undergraduate from Rutgers, but she got her master's and her doctor from Seton Hall. So we, we do have a Rutgers-Seton Hall household. And because Seton Hall doesn't compete in football, you know, I'm okay, you know, with cheering for Seton Hall in basketball when they're not playing Rutgers. And let me ask you this. Can they peacefully uh -oh. coexist? <laughs> I'm just asking. I love it. I love it. By the way, I'm a Rutgers football fan. Yep. And when it comes to basketball and the Pirates play my alma mater, I'm sorry. I wrote okay. the Oh, no. No. no, no, no. no. no a Freudian no, no, no. slip. No, that was a Freudian no. slip. No. I, 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 can, I can verify, Vaughn. He does. It's Seton Hall all the way, 100%. I'm just yeah. saying. Oh. And not just because they're a sponsor and I teach there. Hey, Vaughn, by way of background, you're a motivator. You're a great, listen, once an athlete, always an athlete, but you're a former superstar great athlete. In your mind, um, what is the connection between sports and leadership? Well, I think they're inextricably intertwined, Steve, for a number of reasons, because I think ever since I was a kid, you know, and team sports, you learn sacrifice, commitment, dedication, um, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Remember that, uh, the introduction to the wild, world of, sports. wild world of sports? Absolutely. Um, you learn how to be resilient and recover in sports, sometimes in the moment or the next play or the next inning. And so you really don't have an opportunity to kind of sulk. And I think that's the way it is with leadership. You really have to be able to sacrifice. You have to be committed, dedicated, and learning those things at an early age to be a part of a team, uh, to understand how to take instruction. I think one of the things that Marnie and I often talk about, you know, I grew up playing team sports and she didn't. And so how I receive and process criticism is a little different than the way she receives and you know, um, uh, processes criticism because as an athlete, you're criticized all the time. And the coach yells at you, he gets in your face. And so you learn how to be a little bit more resilient and to accept it and not take personal offense to it. Uh, but when you deal with people sometimes who don't have that experience, it's a little different. And so we often go back and forth with our backgrounds in terms of how I process things a little differently and different things don't get under my skin the way they get under her skin as a leader. But she had her own leadership journey that she'll tell you about. Absolutely. By the way, Vaughn, real quick, uh, your legal background, tell everyone who you're affiliated with. 
Yeah, so my, my law firm, Inglesino Webster, Witcher Scala in Taylor, I've been there for about three years uh, as a partner. And prior to that, I was the business administrator in the city that I love, the greatest city in New Jersey, Patterson, New Jersey. That's uh, right. For a, a wonderful mayor and had a long distinguished career at PSCG uh, for 12 years. And before that, I was the head of the criminal division for uh, the U.S. Uh, Attorney's Office and the Attorney General's Office and started my, my law career in Newark at a firm, Sills Cummins. And that's how I began and, and excited to be you know, here in New Jersey, working on so many wonderful things within our state. By the way, your current law firm is, in fact, a sponsor of what we do, as is PSCNG, and Vaughn has had a lot to do with that. Hey, Mary, you know something real quick? Yeah. Uh, I want to get you into this conversation. I'm curious about something. Vaughn talked about sports and the kind of criticism you get on a regular basis. Now, I was not the athlete that Vaughn was, but I will say this. Vaughn, I, I was telling someone this story the other day. I played for Essex Catholic High School back in the day. Mm -hmm. We played the state championship parochial A against Seton Hall. Mm -hmm. It was the last minute of the game. And I, yes, Vaughn, I was a place kicker because I wasn't <laughs> letting anybody touch his face. Nobody was touching his face. And Mary, this is true. I was going in to kick an extra point to win the game, 6-6. Coach grabbed me by the face mask and he used language I can't repeat. And he said, you better make this blank, blank, blank kick and shaking my face mask. Now, all I'm saying, Mary, is feedback is delivered in all different forms. <laughs> I McCoy. know it is. So, 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 Mary, let's talk about feedback. Please engage Dr. McCoy. Oh, my goodness. Well, yeah, uh, Dr. McCoy, I, I would love to know just a little bit with your, and Steve and I talk about in terms of feedback, it goes right into automatically, in my mind, raising our own children and being a helicopter parent. And we both recently sent off one of our children to college and they're figuring it out. What advice do you have as an educator who has worked with young adults to really, as parents, number one, letting them spread their own wings and finding their own way? What tips and tools do you have for that? Wow, that is such a big question because our children are so different. And I think one of the biggest mistakes we make is comparing them. You know, you should be like so-and-so or do this. It's so hard. It's very hard. So I think the first thing is honoring and respecting the individuality that is that child and letting them know you don't have to fit a mold to be here. We are all individuals. So that's the first thing, understanding and honoring that individuality and then helping them to tap into their gifts and their talents and honoring those and helping them find ways to hone them and to develop them and to share them and to let them know that whatever their gift is, it's incumbent upon them to share it. So I always say to our kids, your gifts and your talents are, are your talents, but it doesn't become a gift until you give it to someone else. If you don't share it, if you only hold it to yourself, it's just a talent. But the moment that you share it, it becomes a gift. And so to just step back and let them explore, understanding that they have a safety net and providing support and accountability. I think accountability and support are married. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Vaughn, I want to follow up on that because as we listen to uh, Dr. McCoy, what interests me is you've written, I mean, your book's right about motivation, right? Yeah. I'm curious. I asked about feedback before. Mary asked Marnie about our children, our kids. Do you believe 
that it's harder to not just motivate, but to give constructive feedback to younger people today that is hard to hear because they're not used to hearing yes. feedback that's anything other than you're amazing, you get a trophy, you're the best, no matter what. Both of you are laughing, but both of it's real. Go ahead, Vaughn. Go it is. No, absolutely, I mean, I tell Marnie about some of the experiences that I had with my coaches and some of the things that they used to do to us 30, 35 years ago. Most of them are illegal right now, but go ahead. Steve, Correct. You know, they would never and, fly. And it, it, would, it would never fly today. Some of the names we would get called. Uh, I, I had a particular coach who would uh, throw you know, the basketball or the football at us. I mean, it was really, really bad. It was horrible. It, it was, but Steve- There's at, a butt here coming, but, watch the butt. But <laughs> at that point in time, we didn't think anything of it. We, we were not, we didn't quit. We, we didn't go home and tell our parents about it. We, 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 do? we just accepted that it was tough love. And, and that it made us stronger and they were trying to build something in us. And maybe some of them did go overboard, but the reality is, Steve, some of us needed that. But Vaughn, it doesn't, listen, I, I, I agree with you. I'm old school, I'm from Newark, you're from Patterson. It's trust me, in your face. And you yes. know my dad and yes. so you know what I'm yes. talking about. Yes. Right? So I wasn't going to my dad saying my football <laughs> coach called me, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Right. Are you serious? I called right. you a lot worse. And by the way, Elvin, I can see the time cues. I know we had a couple minutes left. But Vaughn, do we have to back off with younger people with our feedback and criticism? Forget about I, the I don't, abusive I don't think we have to back off. I think we have to do it in another way. We, we have to change the way we approach, you know, young people with feedback and criticism because number one, feedback and criticism is never easy. If you're honest, it, it's always a difficult conversation or challenge. On both sides. On, on both sides. To, 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 to accept it and to receive it and to give it and to accept it. Mm -hmm. um, it it's, it's, it's difficult. And most of us, we don't like to give negative feedback because it's hard. But it's, but it's required, required to grow and to develop. And so I think those leaders who learn how to deliver feedback and, and, and you sandwich it. You heard this before. You give some praise. You put the, the negative feedback in and then you come back with some praise and you give it to them. And so you learn how to deliver, you know, criticism. And I think if you deliver constructive feedback along with praise, if they do something well, praise them. You know, if they do something uh, not so well, you encourage them. So I think it's a, it's a way you do it and it's a consistency. Don't just talk to me when I'm doing something wrong. Talk to me when I'm also doing things right. Okay, you ready? The two of you, by the way, I'm looking at your backgrounds. My recommendation is the two of you start a podcast real quick oh, if you don't have one already. Yeah. No, no, I'm serious. I could see the two of you. You got the look, you got the feel, you got the, the, the energy. To yeah, and I like it's like the yin and the yang, right? Like the two different perspectives, yeah. the two different upbringings. Exactly. One one playing but, competitive sports, the other one not doing team sports. I agree. I, I would but tune Marnie, in. I gotta ask you, but Marnie gets the final word. Marnie, when you're talking leadership with Vaughn at mm -hmm. home, right? Yes. How many ask this the right way? Do you take advice from each other and feedback from each other? Real quick. Yes. I have without being defensive. Oh my gosh. I have the utmost respect 
for my husband because I know that whatever he shares with me is grounded in love and he would never say anything to my detriment. And it works both ways. Now, it doesn't mean I hear him the first time. Sometimes I have to roll my eyes and say, whatever, and just blow him off. And then I'll come back the next day and say, I thought- you don't give him a, you don't do this, right? No, no, I just no, say, just, okay, whatever. Just roll your eyes. Boop, 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 like a gnat. Boop, boop, okay. <laughs> but then, Ron, you, go ahead, Marty. But I come back and I say to him, you know what? That was, that was good. I'm going to try that. Wow. That's yeah. a, a final marital advice, Vaughn. Uh, have fun. 30 seconds. I met this woman 30 years ago and we're still having fun. Yeah. Mary, I see a podcast. I'm not joking. I love joking. it. I, I want to be the first guest on that podcast, please. <laughs> oh, thank you all. Thanks for having us, Steve. Thank you so much. It's our pleasure. To, to Marnie and to Vaughn, uh, I want to thank you so much for joining us on Lessons in Leadership. You're, you're terrific. I know you helped a lot of people right now. Thanks so much and all the best with the thank McCoy you. Group. Stay safe. Thanks, thank you, Steve. I'm Steve. That's Mary. We already have a podcast. That's us, as long as we have sponsors. We'll see you next week on Lessons in Leadership. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Kessler Foundation, and Seton Hall University. Showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine. CIANJ and Commerce Magazine.